Justice Gorsuch has the opinion this morning in two cases. Uh, the first uh, is United States versus Davis. It's a criminal case. The two defendants, Maurice Davis and Andre Glover, robbed several gas stations in Texas. And they convi- were convicted of a number of federal crimes as a result of these gas station robberies. Most of those convictions are not at issue here. No matter what, Mr. Davis and Mr. Glover are going to spend a very long time in federal prison. The question we face is whether one of the federal statutes they were accused of violating is unconstitutionally vague. This question matters because in our constitutional order, a vague law is no law at all. This principle rests on the twin constitutional pillars of due process and the separation of powers. Due process means that Congress has to write statutes that are clear enough to give ordinary people fair warning about what the law demands of them. And the separation of powers means that only Congress can decide what conduct is criminal. Vague laws violate both of these constitutional requirements. They hand off Congress's responsibility for defining criminal behavior to unelected prosecutors and judges, and they leave the people with no sure way to know what consequences will attach to their conduct. With that in mind, consider the statute before us. It requires long mandatory minimum prison sentences for anyone who uses a firearm in connection with what the statute calls a crime of violence. But what qualifies as a crime of violence? According to the part of the statute at issue here, crimes of violence include felonies that by their nature involve a substantial risk that physical force against the person or property of another may be used in the course of committing the offense. We have to decide whether this statute provides fair warning about which felonies will be considered crimes of violence. If not, then Mr. Davis's and Mr. Glover's convictions under the statute must be set aside. In approaching this question, we're not writing on a blank slate. For many years, nearly everyone has understood the statute as requiring something we've called the categorical approach. That means we decide whether certain crimes, like robbery or burglary, involve a substantial risk of violence on a categorical basis, in light of how those crimes are usually committed. We don't ask how a specific defendant committed the crime on a particular occasion. For example, let's say the defendant used a firearm while committing a burglary. To figure out whether the defendant violated the statute, we have to determine whether burglary is a crime of violence. And to answer that question under the categorical approach, we ask whether the crime of burglary, as it's ordinarily committed, involves a substantial risk of violence. As I've said, for many years, nearly everyone agreed that the statutes before us require this categorical approach. But recently, it's become clear there's a problem with it. Twice in the last five years, this Court has held that other statutes using the categorical approach were unconstitutionally vague. We explained that a statute that requires you to imagine how a crime would ordinarily be committed and then guess the risk associated with that ordinary case of the crime produces more unpredictability and arbitrariness than the Constitution allows. The government accepts our precedent in this area, and so it concedes that if the statute before us today requires a categorical approach, then it, too, is vague. But the government tries to rescue the statute by suggesting a new interpretation. It says we should abandon the categorical approach and, in its place, adopt a case-specific approach, where we would look at the facts of the defendant's actual crime. If the statute could be read to require that sort of case-specific approach, then everyone agrees it would not be vague. But it turns out that the government's case-specific reading can't be squared with the text of the law. For one thing, the language Congress used when it referred to an offense 
It's by its nature involves the use of force. That language strongly suggests that Congress is here talking about the generic offense like robbery or burglary and not conduct of one specific defendant. In fact, 15 years ago, this Court interpreted another statute with almost identical language and held that it required the categorical approach. That decision was unanimous, and we see no reason to depart from that precedent. And for reasons we explain in detail in our opinion, the statute's history and its place in our broader federal criminal code lend further support to the categorical reading. Despite all this, the government says we should still, it should still prevail because of something called the canon of constitutional avoidance. The argument goes like this. Even if the case-specific approach isn't the best or fairest way of reading the statute, the government says it's at least a possible way of reading it. And the government says we have a duty to adopt any possible reading that will save the statute from being unconstitutional. But we doubt that the constitutional avoidance canon has any proper role to play in a case like this. True, we've sometimes adopted a narrow reading of a criminal statute to avoid having to hold the statute unconstitutional if it were construed more broadly. But it seems we've never expanded the reach of a criminal statute in order to save it, and for good reason. Doing that would risk offending the very same due process and separation of powers principles I've already discussed. Respect for those principles suggests the Court may not, in order to save Congress the trouble of having to write a new law, construe a criminal statute to penalize Congress conduct it does not clearly prohibit. For these reasons and others set forth in our opinion, we agree with the Court of Appeals that the statute is vague. The judgment of the Court of Appeals is affirmed in part and vacated in part, and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. Justice Kavanaugh has filed a dissenting opinion in which Justice Thomas and Justice Alito have joined in full and in which the Chief Justice has joined in part. 